With a full-time job, adults spend a third of their life sleeping, a third of it at home, and the last third of their life is at work. The hope for everyone is the third of your life or more spent at work is doing something that means something to you. Today, Jack Sanger joins me to share a formula for making your job more meaningful and indispensable. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm your host, Brianna Corin, and with me today is my friend and leadership guru, Jack Sanger. Making your job more meaningful deals with one of the three most important elements of most people's life. As humans, we seem to want some basic things. Once we're staying warm and fed, we want autonomy, we want mastery or competence, we want life to have some purpose, and some relationships uh, with something grander and, and bigger. Of the major activities or elements of our daily life, work is one of the primary things that meets those needs. It's been said that work, love, and play are the three big elements that often can be used. Play does that for some people. Love is certainly an important element. But for many people, work is where they spend most of their waking hours. And it is to those people that we'll be talking today. We're going to tackle that question by sharing a good theory. As the late Kurt Lewin said, there's nothing so practical as a good theory. So where do you want to start, Bree? I actually want to start with a story of a man who I believe followed a lot of this theory we will share today. If you have ever driven around your neighborhood and seen an orange Vivint sign in someone's yard, then you know who I'm speaking about. The founder and CEO of Vivint, Todd Peterson. Vivint didn't start out as a smart home company. It actually started as pest control. When Todd was turned down for a job in pest control one summer, he turned around and hired 10 of his buddies to sell pest control for his rejector's competitor, Terminix, which I thought was just kind of funny and audacious. He managed them actually from a trailer on a farm. So I had not known the backstory of Vivint's beginning. That's, That's fascinating. Yeah. The goal had been to earn ten to fifteen thousand for the summer. Instead, they earned eighty thousand dollars. Todd Peterson was extremely competent at sales, and he was very passionate about selling. He also saw a need and opportunity in the market to develop teams to go door to door selling directly to customers. The start in pest control eventually transformed into APX Alarm, and later the company evolved to the now publicly traded Vivint, with thousands of employees and millions of customers. What I found really interesting about Todd Peterson's story, and why I wanted to use it as an example today for what we're talking about, is that this was a man who used this outstanding strength he had in sales to make a solid place for him in the market, whether he was selling alarms, pest control, or smart home devices. He knew his strength and he used it. At Sanger Folkman, we use a special theory we call the CPO model to help leaders find a strength that can make the difference for them in their career. 
So let me explain this CPO model that Brianne referred to as a simple Venn diagram. It, it is a remarkable aha moment as people ponder their own development. In the top circle of the diagram is competence. Imagine a second circle below, which is passion. And the final circle is organization needs. So if you see these three circles overlapping each other, there's a spot that we call the sweet spot where they intersect. You can use this model to find greater meaning and to make your job more valuable to the organization. We will now break down each of these three components. As we do, try to think of your own strengths and how they fit into these three categories. So competence. The areas in which you are most capable, as seen through the eyes of your boss, your peers, your direct reports, and your kind of indirect reports, what do they see as your unusual abilities? Use those people around you to discover your strengths rather than being riveted on uncovering your weaknesses. For example, one leader that I've known had a reputation for being able to predict the barriers or the landmines in a product development plan. You know, he dismissed this ability as not a big deal, claiming that it just kind of came naturally to him while his colleagues were astonished by it. Bottom line, individuals are usually not the most accurate judges of their own capabilities. Why is that so? Well, those who excel often underestimate their level of competence. They are neither aware of how good they are, or they don't realize how important that skill really is. Hmm. In contrast, those who are less capable are prone to wildly overestimate their capability. It's been even received its own scientific label. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Interesting. So I know we use 360s as a more formal way for individuals to get feedback from others about their strengths. But is there a more informal process of how to go about getting that information from others? Because I'll admit, just asking someone, hey, what do you think my strengths are? Is <laughs> kind of awkward because <laughs> it's like asking someone to compliment you. That's right. And most of us don't like to go fishing for compliments. So we're not likely to ask that question of very many people. That's the great value of 360-degree feedback processes. Our suggestion is that they find a trusted mentor or a trusted friend, and that the question they ask is, you know, give me one suggestion about how I could have made that presentation today be more, be more effective. Or give me one suggestion about what I can do to more effectively be a contributor in our group meetings. But the, 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 the request for one concrete suggestion kind of says, I'm not asking for a compliment. I'm asking for an idea about how I can get better. I want to limit the scope and the size. And that's a much more comfortable question to ask. In Zanger Folkman's CPO model, the second area is passion. You stated, Jack, that this involves an individual's enthusiasm for a given activity. Most work consists of activities that you enjoy and 
uh, let, let's just say it, others you don't. You dislike them. Have you ever enjoyed a task so much that you lost track of time? On the other hand, while executing other tasks, time seems to move at an excruciating slow pace. In the words of Marie Kondo, does it spark joy? I've definitely found those things in my job that spark joy. And so we invite you to write those things down, those tasks that time flies by and bring you joy. Those are the tasks that you're probably most passionate about. Yes. And the third element is organization need. This third influence is external. It recognizes that organizations have some expectations of what I need to contribute. Many who talk of personal development and playing to one's strengths choose to ignore the organizational need and treat that as if it were irrelevant. If you're passionate and competent in an area that the organization does not need, then it probably should not be chosen as an area for your development. We jokingly talk about those activities as your hobbies. Exactly. Once you have filled out your own diagram, see if you have any areas that you're competent in, passionate about, and is an organizational need. That is your sweet spot. Since the new year is a time for setting stretch goals, you can use this model as a way to identify an area of development. Yes, and, and this model has worked exceptionally well for the past few decades. However, the world does not stand still. We are contemplating refining the model just a little bit. As time passed, we observed a new dimension that was becoming more important. While it's driven by the younger generations coming into the workforce, it is not unique to them. This new dimension is that work is best and most rewarding when it has a broader meaning. There appears to be this fundamental human need that our lives are enriched when our work is linked to a grander, bigger cause. You know, as people mature, they recognize that the broader interests of society need to be served. In one sense, this is an element that transcends the individual. And yet, on the other hand, it's deeply embedded in the core of humanity and often the driving force of passion. What to call it? It goes by many names, cause, purpose, mission, raison d'etre. It, it's called many things. I really like your proposal to broaden the definition of passion to include purpose. But something that was brought up was how, how would you measure purpose? Yeah, and, and the answer was that, again, unlike competence, which is best measured by some objective external observers, purpose can only be identified and measured by the individual. Only the person being evaluated knows what objectives or causes are important to them or what values they place uppermost in their lives. If you've been mulling over the creation of an individual development plan, then I strongly recommend that you use a model such as this CPO model to assist in that process. Think about your competence, find what the organization needs, but also find your passion and let that guide you to your purpose. 
your work is most meaningful when it is relevant to you. Remember, a good theory is a practical and excellent way to start. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast, was written and recorded by Brianna Corn and Jack Zanger, with music by Pleasant Pictures and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend one of our monthly webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a review. That's how other people can find out about our podcast, too. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.